0: Today we're talking about things that clients should know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Home Design Academy podcast. This is episode number eight. And today we are talking about all the things that clients should know. Make sure you stick around to the end because I have a few new ways to contact me. You know, I was recently reading an article titled 250 Things an Architect Should Know, and this was written by Michael Skorkin. Michael Skorkin is a well-known architect, but he's also an architectural critic, a designer, an educator, and as his Wikipedia page states, one of architecture's most outspoken public intellectuals. He also founded Terraform, uh, the Center for Advanced Urban Research, which is a nonprofit organization, research studio, and advocacy group dedicated to raising urban expectation. Now, very sadly, Michael passed away in March of 2020 um, from the COVID-19 virus. The 250 Things an Architect Should Know article is a nice mix of Practical skills, theory, history, and knowledge of distinct properties of materials, and a bit of adventure and a bit of life advice as well. And as I was reading, I was thinking of the goals of this podcast, The Home Design Academy, to better educate homeowners who may or may not have any experience in design or construction and some of the mistakes and reoccurring themes I hear, especially when projects go wrong. And I was inspired to write my own list of things a client should know. So this list isn't exhaustive. It's not final in in any way. It's just things that were popping up into my head. So here we go. Here are things that you should know. Number one, good architecture is not just for the rich. And I know that many people think that you have to have wealth to be able to afford to hire an architect to design your home. But that's just not true. An average person on an average budget can hire an architect and can get a a very well done architectural uh, design. Now, where money comes into it is the size and quality. So, uh, but quality can be measured in in different ways. Quality can be measured in the expensive materials, or it can be measured in how well your building performs, or how efficient it is. Or even if you're on a shoestring budget, good architecture could be defined as just a well-organized and simple floor plan. And so that is a, a misconception that I want to throw out there. Good architecture is not just for the rich. And I'd like to say that a simple and well thought out floor plan is far more valuable to the way that you'll live rather than any sort of expensive or fancy materials. Next thing, if an architect charges you 10% of the construction cost, that's not a high fee especially compared to the amount of hours he or she will be spending on helping you on figuring out what your needs are on working on the preliminary designs, most likely two or three different design options, working with the city, working with zoning codes and building codes, finalizing the design, completing the construction drawings and specifications, helping you select a contractor and evaluate their bids and negotiate the contractor's fees, and then the construction administration period, which is very important. So when you think about it 10% of construction cost for a house I know some people will think that's way too high and I'm not going to be able to afford that but you know there's different ways to finance through banks and through the construction loans you know 10% of a construction cost is a standard fee for a house and that's it's really not a high fee Architects do not just simply push a button and the computer spits out the design. It actually takes much more time to complete the design drawings than you would actually believe. I'm talking hours upon hours upon hours upon hours, 40, 80, 120 hours. That's nothing to complete one design and then the drawings that go on top of it. So when you think that a change in the design is not a big deal, well, it actually takes a long time to incorporate that. You should know that there are most likely financing options available to you and that in most cases, or at least in some cases, you do not have to pay your architect out of pocket and the fee can be rolled into the construction loans. Please talk to your banks and figure out your option. You should know that your total budget includes both the hard costs, which are the cost of construction, and the soft costs. Soft costs are land acquisition, realtor fees, architect fees, engineers, soil testing, legal fees if you have to have a lawyer involved, uh, closing fees, and any other sort of thing that goes along with a project. So if your budget is $300,000 or $400,000, you really need to take all of these other fees into consideration to determine what your actual construction cost is. So your construction cost is your total budget minus all of your soft costs. You should know what the average cost per square foot for the type of construction you want to build in your region is. If you don't know what it is, call up and ask a local architect or two. Call up a contractor or home builder. Call up several and say, can you please you know, let me know? I'm thinking about building a house or I'm thinking about building this office office building and I want it to be of this quality, can you please let me know what the typical average cost of construction is? And that's on a per square foot basis. By knowing this and by knowing how much of your total budget is dedicated to hard construction costs, you can easily understand how large of a house or a building you can actually afford to build. So you'll take your hard costs, divide by the cost per square foot, that will give you the amount of square feet that you can afford to build. Also, you should know that that cost per square foot estimate is only accurate to about 20%. So it might be a little bit higher. The total cost might be a little bit higher. Or it might be a little bit lower. But it's a good judge on what you should shoot for on how large of a space you can build. Next, I think it is so much better to spend your money on a well-designed structure and energy-efficient, high-performance details and building envelope rather than spending your money on fancy materials. i said this a number of times so far in in these eight episodes, and I'm going to keep on saying it. Making your house or building perform better and use less cooling and less heating and having a more healthy interior environment is way better than having fancy materials and i'm just going to keep on saying that over and over again your house or building shouldn't be designed only thinking about how many bedrooms or offices you need it needs to be designed also how it sits on the site how it responds to the environmental conditions such as sun angles and prevailing winds and all these things are just as if not more important than the amount of bedrooms and bathrooms Did you know that the drawings and specifications produced by the architect act as legally binding documents which are part of your contract with your builders? In the contract with your builders, not only the written contract that you sign, but also the instruments of service, one of which are the drawings. So having drawings that are well done and highly detailed will make it clear exactly what the contractor is providing you for your money. Just know that a cheap and quick minimum information, just to get a permit set of drawings will always lead to changes. It will always lead to change orders and it will always lead to you spending more money. Just a quick note on schedule. I mean I have worked on over a hundred projects and I have yet to see a project finish on schedule unless there's a clause built into your contract. That stipulates a fee be paid back to you from your contractor if they don't finish in time or if you pay a bonus to the contractor for finishing early. I've never seen a a building or a house be built and done and complete in the amount of time that that they say. And you should know this going in. And unless there's some extraordinary circumstances that you need to be in by a certain date, just be flexible. Your contractor is doing the best job he can and he wants to get out of there just as quickly as you want to get in there. And so if the builder says it's going to take him six months to build your house, maybe plan on nine or ten months just to be safe. And if the project goes a little over, a couple months over, it's no big deal. Of course, this varies with the size of the project and the larger the project, the more buffer you should plan on. I wanted to stop and share a quick story here. I just recently worked on a project where the owner decided to schedule the grand opening ceremony 6 months in advance of project completion. And during those last few months of the project, there were some unforeseen political situations that caused materials from overseas to be delayed in shipping. And guess what happened? Towards the end of the project, those material shipping delays caused delays that trickled down through all of the different trades and And when it came time for the grand opening ceremony, the contractor was not complete. And because the owner, even though they were advised not to schedule this ceremony so far in advance, they decided to do it anyways, and they ended up having to have a ceremony with a building that only had two out of the three floors uh, complete and ready to go. And the contractor was put in in an awful situation where they were having to work overtime just to get um, the the common spaces in a presentable fashion. And this put the contractor at burden, and they had to absorb additional cost from their subcontractor And this was all due to just not following advice. Now, this particular general contractor had a long-term relationship with this client. They were repeat clients of them. And so they didn't backcharge the owner, but they very well could have, and they would have been in their right to do so. A couple of really basic maintenance things. You should know how to shut off the water in your house in the event of an emergency. If you have a pipe leak or something and you don't know how to shut the water off, do yourself a favor, stop listening to this podcast and go figure that out right now. Next, you should also know where the electrical panel is located in your house and how to turn the main breaker on and off, shutting off power to the entire house. You should know basic routine maintenance of your mechanical systems and how to change filters and do it as often as required. You should know where the bearing walls are in your house. If you're building a new house, pay attention and ask questions. Ask your builder, ask your contract or architect, which walls are bearing walls? If you are living in an existing house, look into the basement and see where the framing ends. Look into the attic. And by doing this, you can determine, at least with some certainty, which walls are bearing walls. And if you know which walls are bearing walls, you know that you can't be cutting into those walls without added structure. But just know that especially if your house is older, some older houses and buildings, they change direction of the framing in different rooms based upon whatever was the shortest span. So if you're in an older house, it might be a little bit more complicated to figure out which walls are bearing walls without actually having to take apart your ceiling and look. You should know that vinyl siding and vinyl windows are not good products. I'm going to repeat that because I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers here because lots of people who build homes, especially in America, they love their vinyl siding and they love their vinyl windows because it's cheap. You can spray it down. It looks the same from year to year. But here's the thing, the vinyl deteriorates and just because it looks nice and clean doesn't mean that it's performing the same way. Vinyl siding and vinyl windows should be last case scenarios on what you should be using for your exterior materials that's like bottom of the barrel bottom of the budget have no other option in that case you do what you have to do and there's some vinyl products both on the window and the siding side that are better than others so if you're if you have to go vinyl um, just make sure that you get the best and highest quality vinyl product that you can Here's one that I think about a lot. Your architect should always be performing construction administration services. In this phase, your architect will act as your representative on site. They observe the work completed by the builder to assure that it's in accordance with the contract documents, And they'll also review product submissions, assist you with material and finish selections. They'll help approve the contractor's bills, making sure that you don't pay too much too soon. The architect will also monitor any changes in the work and advise you on which way you should go with things. Just as it's not a good idea to walk into a courtroom without a lawyer, it is not a good idea to complete a construction project without an architect standing by your side, no matter how small or how simple. real with this one all right sit down pay attention real life is not like reality tv shows a real construction project is not like the shows that you watch on hgtv those shows don't tell the full story they don't show realistic timelines they don't show realistic budgets. I'm almost certain that the budgets that they show are for materials only and not for the labor. And then those labor costs are being paid by the network as those contractors are employees of the network. So I would say to get a better sense of what things on those shows actually cost double what they're saying their budget is so if you're watching one of those reality home and garden shows and they're renovating a kitchen and they say that we did this kitchen for fifteen thousand dollars guess what it's a thirty thousand dollar kitchen or most likely a forty thousand dollar kitchen because they're not paying labor and they're getting appliances and materials donated by the sponsors the same thing with timelines you can't renovate a house in six weeks you can't fully gut and renovate a house in six weeks it just doesn't happen real life doesn't work that way so you need to know this going in your contractor your builder your architect they all have a life they have a family they're not on call 24 7 and they are not put on earth to serve your every need respect their boundaries and respect their family time While they're dedicated to making your project great, they don't want to be getting text messages and calls from you in the middle of the night. Here's another one to know. Even if you're paying someone by the hour, be it a contractor or a tradesperson or an architect or a builder or a craftsman, they make more money by completing your work quickly and then moving on to the next project. Very few people in the building trades will work slowly on purpose. So if things aren't moving at the speed that you wish, don't be rude. They're most likely working as fast and as hard as they can, and they want the finished product to be of a high quality quality because it's their name and their reputation on the line. There isn't a contractor out there that's going to go slow on purpose just to get more hourly fee from you. Life doesn't work that way. Contractors don't make their money that way. They want to get in, do a great job, get out, move on to the next one. That's how contractors make their money. And while we're at it, contractors are people too. If you're nice and courteous and understanding, they'll want to serve you better. They will want to do a better job for you and go above and beyond. But if you're mean and rude and demanding, they'll want to do the work as quickly as possible and they may not take as great of a care and get things done the right way and they just want to get out there and get on to the next project. So what I'm saying is a little goodwill from you goes a long way. Have some respect. In terms of payments, never pay your contractor too much money in advance and never, never, never. Pay in full until the work is 100% completed and inspected. Please know that the lowest cost is not always the best cost. This goes for contractors. It goes for builders. It goes for craftsmen. It goes for architects. Remember, this is your home. This is most likely your biggest investment. And why in the world would you want to cut corners? Remember, you get what you paid for. The lowest cost is not always the best. I'm going to say that again. The lowest cost is not always the best. You need to go with someone, and this goes for both sides. This goes for the contractor side and the architect side. You need to hire someone who that you think you can work well with, who's courteous, who has a good reputation, and whose price is in generally in line with what it should cost. So here's the next one for you. Be decisive. One of the hardest things to deal with in the building industry is indecisive people. When you're building or remodeling, there will be hundreds of decisions that need to be made. And decisions need to be made quick. And once they're made, they can't change. Well, they can, but it's going to cost you time and money. Your architect and your builder can help you and they can give you advice and they can assist you on making these decisions. But once you make a decision, stick with it. Making changes after the fact will cost you more money and more time. And on top of this, just think, materials take time to order. Just because the contractor is only pouring your foundation doesn't mean you have all the time in the world to decide what type of windows to purchase or what type of roofing to select. If a material, let's say windows, takes 8 to 10 weeks to be delivered, you can understand that if the order is not placed in time, you'll be sitting there waiting for the windows to arrive and construction activities could come to a stop. So you need to make your decisions in a timely, in a timely fashion. Your contractor should be telling you, I need to place the order for this material on this date so you need to make a decision before then. And then once you make a decision, stick with it. Just a quick story here speaking of windows and speaking of decisions uh, I know of a contractor who is building a custom home for someone and the the reviewed all the exterior finishes, the siding the roofing the trim, the windows the doors uh, so on and so forth and after you know going round and round with this particular homeowner, All the decisions were made. Contractor orders the materials. Three weeks go by, and then the owner comes and says, "Uh, we changed our minds. We want to go with a different window. Well, at that point, the windows are already in production, and they can't be stopped. And so the, you know, the contractor was able to explain to the to this particular homeowner about the implications of what making that decision would be. And uh, they decided eventually to just stay with the original windows. But it just goes to show you, you know, once you make that decision, things are going to start moving. Orders are going to be placed. Manufacturers are going to start building and shipping things. And so once you make that decision, you have to stick with it. Next, don't stand over your contractor watching everything they do and ask for explanations of everything. This makes it so much harder for the workers to complete their work, it adds unnecessary delays. Instead, have a time set each week to walk through with your builder and talk about everything. This way it's planned into their schedule, it's planned into their workflow. Micromanaging will only slow down the work don't expect perfection perfection is impossible for most people under most budgets instead you should expect a quality and a dedication to their craft please please don't be the person who says i've paid you so much money i expect this this and that you're not going to be respected even if your contractor is nice and smiles and nods their head they're not going to be happy and if they're not happy they're not going to do as good of a job Again, this comes back to not being a rude person. Have respect and respect goes both ways. Permits are required. There are very few construction tasks that don't require permits. If someone says to you that a permit's not required and you might suspect that otherwise, then all you have to do is make a call or stop by your town hall and speak directly to the building inspector, just about all the work that you do in your in your house unless it's simple painting or, or finish work or minor repairs, it's going to require a permit. So if someone's telling you that a permit's not required, it might be time to look for someone else to work with. Ask your builder if they use the same group of subcontractors for each project. People who have worked together or alongside each other in the past will work better than people who have not. Just know that especially in residential construction of an average budget, that at the end of the job, the general contractor has most likely paid all of his subcontractors out of their own pocket, and they're waiting for you to give them their final payment so that they can reimburse themselves. And while I've said it before, you don't want to pay in full until the work is 100% inspected and completed. You also don't want to take too long to pay. You don't want to withhold payment when it's not warranted. Just think of that contractor's family waiting for that money. The client is not always right. Yep, I said it. You do not know more than the professionals. Unless you're a professional yourself, you don't know more than your architect. You don't know more than your contractor. You don't know more than your builder. You don't know more than your electrician. So while you can have an opinion and express it respectfully, the professionals know what they're doing. Don't speak to the work crew. Other than saying hello or other pleasantries, you shouldn't be speaking to the laborers or any of the subcontractors. So let's just say if you tell some random worker on your project that you want to change something, it might not properly get relayed to that that person's boss and there could be miscommunications. The superintendent or the person in charge of the job site is also in charge of organizing the work and distributing the information to the various subcontractors. You need to have a single point of contact with the construction crew and talk to that one person only. Just know when it comes to design, not every good idea can be used. Sometimes there are spatial issues or structural issues or zoning issues or budget issues or just general layout issues. Just because you have kept a scrapbook of design ideas for the past 15 years doesn't mean that they all can be used. Oftentimes things just don't work well together. So while your ideas can bring upon inspiration and while some of your ideas can be implemented, not all of them will be able to. And in the same vein, be open to new ideas too. If you're building a house, you may know exactly what you want. But just know that architects and builders, they're highly trained professionals. And they've seen a lot of things along the ways, And they might know of a better way to do things. So be open to new ideas. I want you to read and understand your contract. This goes for your contract with your architect and the contractor with your builder. Make sure you understand everything and you need to ask questions if you don't. And you ask these questions as early on as possible. Understand what's expected. Understand what the deliverables are. Understand when payments are expected. Understand the schedule and understand everyone's role in the project architects and builders are not mind readers if something's important to you or if you don't like something you need to speak up don't be worried about hurting people's feelings no one's going to be upset that you didn't like one thing or another we want to serve you better so if something's important to you let us know and we'll try to implement it as best we can And along those same lines, the sooner you speak up and the more dialogue that happens before construction, the better. Even if you have to spend a little extra money for revised designs and revised plans, or maybe even spend a few extra thousand dollars for a totally new design concept, it's always going to be less expensive to change something on paper than it would to change something on the construction site. So get it right before the physical work starts and you'll be much happier and you'll save money in the long run. So that wraps up this episode of the Home Design Academy podcast. I've hoped you enjoyed yourself and learned something along the way. Um, just a couple of things to wrap up here. Uh, if you enjoy the show or if you don't enjoy the show, please leave a review. And I would be really happy if you sent me a, a personal email to let me know what you think about the show. If you've been listening to the episodes, if you... Th- Think that something is going good. If you think that something needs to be changed, if there's a topic that you want to cover, or if there's a question that you have, you can email home design academy at n3architecture.com. That's so that's a new email for the show home design academy at n3architecture.com. You can also go to speakpipe.com/home design academy, and if you want to leave a voicemail on the speakpipe. Uh, website that's real simple and easy to use, and it cuts directly into my inbox. So I thank you for listening. Please uh, listen to the next episode and um, send in your questions. I really want to answer them.